Welcome to the Redemption 10P Podcast, where we believe that all of life is all for Jesus. I am your host, AC. Today, I'm joined by two of my favorite people in the world. We got Warren. Hey, what's going on? What's going on? And we got Spencer Aubrey. Hey, y'all. What's happening? Who I believe this is your first time on the podcast, right, Spencer? That's right. All right. So we won't, we'll we'll be nice. (laughs) (laughs) Appreciate that. So one thing that, uh, for those of you guys who've been listening for for the longest time since day one, we were doing the True Story Project podcast, one of our staples on the show used to be an icebreaker yeah so we're bringing that back i remember those days man bringing that back and it used to always either be sports or music yeah yeah so so let's stay in that maybe we should just stay in that vein we're gonna stay that's in what that we vein. all know pretty much it's the three of us that's all we know <laughs> True. Yeah. well y'all know music i don't know sports so i'm gonna let y'all answer the icebreaker question sure. since we're doing music but imagine that you have to drop everything and follow a musician or a group for the next two years as a personal assistant, who would you choose and why? I was approached with this question and I was thinking about it and I was like, man, you know who I really um, admire as an artist is Bruno Mars. When I, when I answer in that way or I'm thinking about that response, I'm just thinking about his work ethic and the show that he puts on. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks like there's a lot of like intentionality and just a uh, big emphasis on really putting on a good show, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, he's a very talented dude. So he can play instruments and um, his band and him really gel together. So I like to see just even behind the scenes, like, you know, what does that look like? What does that take mm-hmm. to put on such a, a grandiose show and a show that, um, you know, a lot of music that brings a lot of joy to people's hearts. So. Yeah, that's really good. That's really good. What, what do you think, Spencer? Well, I was thinking about it, and I think I landed on Leon Bridges. Mm, okay. Uh, I really like the vibe that he has, and he's grown a lot as an artist as well. And I just think also with in terms yeah. of gelling with his group, like they are just, they're really tight in terms of like the harmonies, the vocals, the instrumentation, everything about it is awesome. And I checked out his tour schedule and I was like, I like, <laughs> I like this. those things. <laughs> I like it's kind of funny that. that we're both like, we both do hip hop music and mm-hmm. we both, neither of us picked the hip hop artist. Mm-hmm. But hey man, you know what? That just shows you, I guess our interests are broad, you know, when it comes to music. So what, what do you True. think it would be like uh, having to take direction from mm-hmm. Bruno Mars and Leon Bridges on a daily basis for two years? I imagine that they probably have very strict standards um, mm-hmm. as to, you know, uh, whether it's practice times. Like I'm, I'm thinking they really treat their practice times as similar to a show. Like, you know, I'm sure, mm-hmm. you know, the music's got to be tight with Bruno. He's dancing all around the stage. So um, there's like uh, the choreography has to be tight, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I just imagine that they have very high standards for, you know, the, the bands that are working mm-hmm. with them, you know. Yeah, I would definitely echo that. It's just at that level and then also the consistency in which they have to do everything at every different spot that they go to there would be such a high standard i think yeah. and yeah so i'm 100 percent in agreement with warren man. yeah like, and i think yeah. there's a joy that's probably derived from that when they put on a show and they mm-hmm. see people like you know just loving it and um the applaud like i'm sure that they're you know they don't look back and say oh like that was that practice was hard and it wasn't worth it you know like mm-hmm. they're they see that the fruits of like their um seriousness and focus like pay off and i'm sure that they enjoy that so 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 what i'm hearing from you guys is that it's worth it to serve these guys if you're going to go on tour if you're going to follow some around for two years mm-hmm. th- this yeah. it would be worth it here and you know the life of a person going on tour and, and taking orders and directions probably not the easiest job probably have to swallow mm-hmm. your pride yeah, probably have to embrace humility mm-hmm. but you would do so for the greater benefit that lays in front of you mm-hmm. and i think I think it's the same way to a much greater degree when we 
willingly choose to serve Christ. Yeah. Mm. And we're not doing it because yeah. we're ascetics, because right. we like punishment, because we necessarily like being told what to do, or we like suffering for the cause of Christ, mm. but because of who he is and the kingdom that he's bringing, that it's it's of the highest standard, and that's what we're willing to serve. So that's what we're talking about today. What does it look like to serve Jesus? And you know, as we've been going through these passages in the Gospels, uh, the sermon series is called Love Walked Among Us. What does it look like to imitate the life of Christ. First John 2 says he abides in Christ, ought to walk as he walked. And so mm-hmm. how did he walk? And how can we walk? How can we imitate? Mm-hmm. This week, we're looking at how love takes the lower place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so what does it look like to be humble? We look at the passage where Jesus washes the feet of his disciples and tells his disciples that they have to do likewise. What's interesting to me is that we always see the disciples fighting with Jesus over who's going to be, or not with Jesus, but with themselves. With themselves. So, yeah, who's yeah, going to be right, metal, metal, right? Yeah. Who's going to go top? Yeah, who's going to sit closest <laughs> to Jesus? You know, yeah. who's going to be closest to, you know, whatever, the closest to the front, yeah. you know, whatever. Just having those kind of childish conversations mm-hmm. or seemingly childish conversations. But I think when we think about them, a lot of times, like we probably end up thinking very similarly in a lot of ways so yeah Yeah. and one thing like when we look at church history and that includes the earliest of church history we always want to ask considering the cultural context they were in Mm -hmm. how faithful were they to the gospel Mm -hmm. because the gospel is always going to interact with culture it's also always going to it's always going to interact with the idols of culture Mm -hmm. and one of the predominant idols of culture in the roman greco world was power Mm -hmm. i mean and it shaped every institution that's why you see in ephesians when paul addresses the household unit, the specific instructions that he gives to the man of the home, to the wife, and to the the servants, and to the children. What he's doing is he's addressing how the the idol of power has so warped and uh, and distorted the family unit. Mm -hmm. So knowing that that's a big idol in their day, and you see the disciples wrestling with that as they Mm -hmm. argue over who's going to be the greatest disciple, how do we see power idolized in our culture? I think, like, even just taking a step back, like, Power is not a bad thing. You know, I remember there was a book by Andy Crouch, and it's called Playing, Playing God. And he talks about power and, um, you know, power. when I think about power, it's like the capacity to get people to do things for mm-hmm. you. Um, and there's a way that that can be done well and stored in a way. But I think the ways that we see it go wrong. I think in our culture, you know, I was thinking about like a influencer culture, right? Like mm-hmm. you have these um, people on social media and through maybe their lifestyles or workout routines, whatever it may be, um, there's like a lot of value placed in them because, you know, aesthetically they're pleasing. And I think they do have a lot of power. I mean, the way that we like follow them as, I guess, celebrity culture going around. But I think when I think about power today, I think a lot about influence. How can you influence people to get behind your cause, to buy your products? And I think it, it can lead us into like a pathways of like consumerism or um, as we engage in social media in the wrong way, in those ways, like um, looking at those people and trying to at, look at our, compare our own lives and like not really focusing on the things that we have. So I think those are just a couple of ways I see it idolized in our culture. But yeah, I mean, like I think about like what would a culture look like though without any, what would a world look like without no one had power? It would be mm-hmm. like anarchy, right? Like people would just, you know, I don't think that's the extreme we want to go to, but I do see, yeah, the way that that power is wielded, I think nowadays is just a lot of people trying to get uh, people to either buy their product or like get behind their mm-hmm. agenda. So even behind that, you would say again, and we talk about this yeah. all the time, consumerism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that consumerism, yeah, that obsession with uh, 
self, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, those are things that we've been talking about, I think, just along this whole series. And I think, yeah, I think it rears its ugly head again when we think about power. How can we get the most people behind us so that we can consume whether they're whether consume their affection, consume their affirmation, cons- or be able to consume more things, influence and influencer culture is like a huge way that I see power wielded nowadays. I bring up power because that's often what keeps us from embracing humility. Yeah, is chasing power. So historically, then Spencer, how do you think the church has embraced power rather than embracing humility? Well, I think back to. Even like the Roman Catholic Church, when there was just a lot of, I would say, not so much integrity in the behavior in which those were in power. So whether that was the king uh, or even like people in the higher echelons of the clergy were just using that in a way that would essentially kind of move the people in in not so great ways, man. Like when you get pardons or when the king can pardon certain things or when there's there's just a lot of horrible things going on with people who are supposed to be those shepherding and shaping God's people in that way, I think, you know, that's at least one instance in which I've seen it looking back on history. Yeah, yeah I, I, mm-hmm. I also think, like, even in more recent time, like, realistically, there's power in numbers, right? Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes you've seen the church maybe cater to people's consumeristic leans mm-hmm. in order to get the numbers and get mm-hmm. the mass you know masses in the building whether that be to be able to wield a bigger pocketbook realistically like i think that i, I mean i feel like i've seen the church like sometimes seek to gain to look for approval mm-hmm. and do certain things that like will i guess be easier or not critique certain parts of culture because mm-hmm. it allows it to maintain its powerful mm-hmm. position It's tough, man. You think of how in the 400s, the Roman Empire is crumbling and the only institution, the only cultural institution that has life and stability is the church. Mm -hmm. And so you have Constantine becoming Christian and then you have the subsequent emperor making Christianity the legal religion of the empire. Basically, what you have are these people in power giving the keys to the government, to the church, saying, help us. And it's easy for us to look at the a thousand years of history after that and critique the church and say, oh, look mm-hmm. how you abuse yeah. power. And now mm-hmm. we want to separate church and state. But at the time, you got to ask, like, what mm-hmm. would you have done? Would right. you have said no? Yeah. We'll let you suffer and we'll let this mm-hmm. this country fall apart? Right. Or, you know, I think every pastor in the world would chomp at the bit if, yeah. like, mm-hmm. a world leader would come and say, I don't know how to run this country. Can you tell me how to write this constitution? Yeah. You know, Very so, true. but when you look at the fruit of that, the church then makes these decisions that having tasted power makes decisions to, to keep power yeah. rather than stay faithful to its calling, yeah. you know? And so that's why you have all these ugly things that happen in church history. And mm-hmm. then even today, when you have people who claim to be Christian and do all kinds of incredible things that are hypocritical in the public eye in the name of Christ, because they're wanting power, because right. we can mm-hmm. get so fed up or so full of the idea that in order to bring about the kingdom on earth, we have to do it through political means. Yeah. And so we're willing to yeah. sacrifice our morals to yeah. achieve political objectives mm. rather than saying we will take the lower place of a lack of political power right. mm-hmm. and become a faithful minority. Yeah, and I also mm-hmm. think um, just even like in churches where, let's say, one group is a dominant culture, right? Like how does... In taking the lower place, I think about like maybe slowing down, hearing and getting to know the other, you know, minority groups within your congregation and, um, you know, give having, making sure they have a space, right, to express the beauties of their culture as well. So, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. We've been using this phrase, take the lower place right. a lot. Mm-hmm. This is a phrase that 
Paul Miller uses his in his book, Love Walked Among Us, when talking about humility. Uh, Spencer, what does it mean to take the lower place? I think that it means that you're serving in so many ways. You know, that means even a lot of times subjecting yourself to things that are lowly. Serving can be something as simple as, you know, getting a bottle of water, or it can be something as great as like to huge platforms in other ways in which, but like there's, there's a unity in that of like, we're starting here and we're not focusing on ourselves. We're focusing on the others involved. So I was thinking about, um, you know, Ricardo preached mm. the message today and he talks about how Jesus's posture, you know, in the face of, you know, being called names, you know, mm. being called people saying that he was from Satan and, mm. you know, he, you don't see him getting offended there yeah, because he already knows his position. Like he knows mm. that he is fully loved and fully known by God and he, he's fully known by the father. And so he doesn't have to, he doesn't have to come out and, you know, get angry when people, you mm. know, insult him or anything like that because mm. he knows his position. So he can be humble. Right. Mm. And we saw that when he was washing, you know, the, the disciples' feet, right? They're asking, mm-hmm. him, why would you do that? He's like, no, like, like, just like Spencer said, he has a servant's mm-hmm. heart, right? And I think that is, yeah, I think that is the, the posture, um, you know, t- yeah, taking the lower place, you know, is recognizing your own privilege mm-hmm. and like recognizing the grace that's allowed that to happen mm-hmm. and then stewarding that, you know, to serve as many people as possible. Mm-hmm. It's really good. Yeah. It's really good. I, I like what you said about, um, Jesus knowing who he was. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times for me personally, what can keep me from walking in humility is actually insecurity. Mm. Not being insecure who I am Mm. can affect the way that I treat others to try Mm. to position myself in a way where I think I'm being viewed favorably um, as opposed to just just kind of being secure in who I am in Christ and accepting what happens. You know, like an example, just yesterday at work, I said something that was actually, it was pretty dumb. I wasn't thinking, I just said it. And then the person next to me started making fun of me and told everybody. Hey, it was like, put, like, like really <laughs> put you on the spot there, yeah. like shouting you oh, out. Yeah, like yeah, man. And, I, I, and like, uh, my initial gosh. thing is to defend myself. And, mm-hmm. oh, well, you know, the reason why I said yeah. that was this, mm-hmm. this, and that. But then just stepping back and realizing, you know, actually, if somebody else would have said that, it'd have been pretty funny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's actually, it's actually pretty funny. And so being able to uh, be humble in the sense of like, not having an overinflated view of yourself where yeah. you have to be viewed in a certain way yeah. can free you up. Exactly. Not just to avoid shame or humiliation, but free you up to love others exactly. when it may not be wanting to. No, I think that's really good. I mean, I was thinking about, it makes me think about marriage, right? And, you know, just the arguments that, you know, I've had with my wife. And I realized that being able to not have to be right has <laughs> probably done a lot of benefit, you know, to have the humility, not this false sense of like a real humility where it's like, you know what, like I need to pause here. Like I need to slow down and listen, right? Like I think what you said, I was actually having a phone conversation with my dad and sometimes he has like this Nostradamus thing going on. And so he was actually like, yeah, like, you know, two things I live by is like, I don't take myself too seriously and I don't take people for granted. And I was like, yeah, man, I was like, I'm about to do a podcast. <laughs> but yeah, I think Timely. postures like that help mm-hmm. us to be humble. Like you said, like not mm-hmm. taking yourself so seriously. When somebody says something, you can't just like, yeah, like, you know what? That was, I did say something silly. And that's, that's okay. Like, yeah. I know I'm not dumb. Like, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? I don't, I don't need this approval from this person to know where I stand. And so, yeah, that's dope. I like that, man. That's what, dope. I say it again. What? Uh, the two yeah, yeah, live mm-hmm. Don't take yourself too seriously and don't take other people for granted. And that really falls in line with redemption because I'm sure you guys have heard mm-hmm. we right. say it all the time around staff. We take mm-hmm. the word of God very seriously but right. not each other. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And yeah, yeah, you need that space, man, to mm-hmm. just like... 
be able to laugh at yourself, you know, and like recognize your own flaws oh, like, yeah. and recognize that you do, even though you're flawed, like have a God who still fully loves you, you know, in the midst of all your flaws. And and, and that's huge, yeah. even in the midst of like interpersonal relationships, yeah. mm-hmm. how you interact with people at yeah. work. All of that can be jaded by a distorted sense of yourself. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I know I'm probably talking a lot here, but I was even thinking about work. One way that I've learned to even be a better, better manager Right. Is to like take the stance of like, I don't know everything. But if you have this obsession of self and you can't take that lower place, like, you know, I might be strong in this, these areas and like these people might be stronger in these areas where I can learn. Like you'll constantly be on the defensive. You'll constantly be leading in a very anxious way. And I think in the bigger scheme, like you might actually be doing a lot of detriment, mm-hmm. you know, your company by you trying to um, cover your insecurities, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, cover up your insecurities. So. Yeah. You Mm -hmm. talk about work and I know that both of you actually are musicians. So when it comes to your craft, I'm going to read this quote from Paul Miller's book and I want to see what y'all got to say. Paul Miller writes, Jesus invites the disciples to a life of compassion and service instead of a pursuit of power and fame. Again, reversing everything humans instinctively cherish. As a musician, Spencer, Mm -hmm. how has this been true in the way you go about your craft? Well, I really do enjoy, you know, being a musician and particularly DJing too as like an opportunity to serve people. But even saying like talking to a couple and saying, Hey, like I'll work with your budget. Like we can, we can work with you. Like I don't, I don't, I have rates, but I'm willing to do this or, you know, even just doing certain events for at for free. You know what I mean? Like I think every was every year that we've done affordable Christmas over here, like been in some capacity engaged in that, but like being able to say, you know what? Hey, like, there are other gigs, there's other things, but I would I would rather and much more like want to serve in this way and like push into that. Hmm. One thing recently that I've been thinking about, because there's such an opportunity, I think, that artists take to make themselves or their name great in a lot of ways. And so trying to kind of turn that on its head in that way and like actually take the lower place, like all the flyers and stuff that for promotion, like do a silhouette on the flyers. Like, so it's not even my face or anything like that. It's an outline of what I look like. But it's like, it's like, how can I promote what's going on with the venue or the different things that's going on with the music or the music selection or other stuff like that? Like, what is a way in which can take the focus off of myself, allow it to be able to be something that can help further what's, what's happening outside of me? You know what I mean? And really like trying to get down to the, to the low on that. So. Mm. That's one. Those are a couple ways. That's really good, man. What, what about you, Warren? Yeah, I mean, I would echo a lot of the same thing Spencer just said. Um, I was thinking three things. Like, first one is like inclusion. I think as an artist, and especially in this culture, there is a, a temptation to like try to do everything your, yourself, and that's easier to do because we do have a lot more tools available to us. Like maybe before, you know, an artist didn't have the ability to make his own album cover get it mass produced and so like there there is a i think a temptation to like be able to just take all the burden do it yourself so you can control it and have that power into in like in the whole process and one thing i've always tried to do whether you know i'm creating projects for christian myself whatever it may be um is to include people because yeah you are going to lose something when, when you include people, that means you're going to have to hear opinions. You're going to mm. have to hear perspectives about things maybe you don't agree with, right? And it's hard because art is so personal to you. You know, my, my, my music is like my baby. Like, I love mm. it, you know? And so, like, I take, you, you, I think artists tend, you know, we, we treat our art that way. 
So to include people is not as easy as it sounds because mm-hmm. yeah, you, you're going to have to accept the fact that like, yeah, people may not like one thing that you love. But from my experience, what I've seen is that every time that I've done that or we've done that, it's become mm-hmm. way more beautiful mm-hmm. because we have this beautiful collection of God-given gifts from these all these different people in the room. And so like, yeah. I think that's one way I would say thematically it, it would be easy to make music that appeals to what the greater culture likes. But, you know, we are followers of Christ first, right? So like we want the gospel um, to be proclaimed in our music. Now, that doesn't mean that necessarily everything is going to be a theological unpacking of Romans, but mm-hmm. <laughs> like there is um, a gospel centeredness mm-hmm. in our worldview that comes out in every, in every song. And we want to make sure that is remains. Mm-hmm. And I also think like identity is a thing like, to even though we are gifted and with you know these gifts of music that that Mm -hmm. is not the completeness of who we are we have the freedom like whether we're making music or not that we still have value and i think that's been huge just recently for me and freeing in a lot of ways where i'm not like measuring my value against my output it's really good and that's stuff that i think can apply in any work yeah any Mm -hmm. any type of work that you do those types of things like how do you include others yeah Mm-hmm. And and also is the the focus of your work? Are you doing it from a worldview that's gospel centered? Right, things mm-hmm. like right. that. Because especially in music, that puts you at the lower place. Yeah, yeah. some jobs it may be a little easier. Yeah. to work out of a gospel centered world. I mean, we talk about it all the time. I think we could just ditch the Christian quote unquote Christian thing and just make music that everyone would like. And you know, maybe we would achieve fame and success. But like, what is it worth? We see people, a lot of people in those positions that. Though they've achieved this high level of success, there's this emptiness and this longing for something more there. And are they loving their neighbors? Yeah, and they're loving their. Are they loving their neighbors through their music? Right? Are they really able to serve people through their music? Like even in our writing process, like I think being a part of the church, like and think about love your neighbors. Like we're able to write from the stories, people that we encounter on a daily basis or in our communities and stuff, and able to put music to their stories. Like of course in a respectful manner, but being community with them and you know give some words and music behind their stories mm-hmm. and I, I mean I've run into a lot of people that have really appreciated it mm-hmm. so. give them a voice yeah yeah, yeah able to mm-hmm. be their voice in that way mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so we talk about taking the lower place and so far we've been talking about trying to be like Jesus and willingly humbling ourselves but Paul Miller he talks about in the book that people take the lowest place for one of two reasons either others chose it for us or we chose it for ourselves when others have forced us to take the lower place we are humiliated humility is a quality of the soul something we do from the inside humiliation is the situation where we learn humility so Spencer tell me about a time not where you willingly chose to be humble but you were forced to take the lower place but through that you learned humility Mm. I think there's one time in particular. There's actually probably been many times in particular. <laughs> it's, like, it's like you, or at least for me, like I caught myself responding to a question thinking that I had the answer. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I know that. Or even like just a particular example, like driving, you know, we're, you know, I'm in the car and I'm like, oh yeah, I know exactly where that place is. Or I've like, I've been there before. And it's like driving and then the person in the passenger seat sitting there kind of like looking at me like are you gonna turn are you gonna get you gonna be are you gonna go it's like i'm just like just going and then all of a sudden past the the you know the spot and it's like they they end up speaking up and saying hey like you you missed the turn like you like it's back there and i was like 
oh, I, you know, I thought, thought I knew. And it was just like, I had this, this understanding, or at least I thought like, oh yeah, I know that. Like I've been there. Like I know exactly where that's at and like not, you know, in my own pride and not being humble, mm-hmm. you know, having at that point in time, that person like bringing it to my attention, like you actually don't know where you're at. Mm-hmm. You don't know where you're going and you need to, somebody to tell you. And that's a hard, like, that's a really very minute example, but there's like, there's a, even in my own life, like just thinking about it, like there's a lot of different places where that can, you know, have that same framework, but play itself out in a lot of different ways. And yeah, it's just like, but being able to like, to recognize it or even have it brought to your attention, you know, by people in, you know, your life or, you know, anybody else that can really help illuminate those areas and we're just like, oh, that was my blind spot. I thought I, I thought I had that mm. figured out or I thought I understood that. So mm-hmm. that's really but, good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I was thinking about, um, when I first graduated, uh, when I graduated college, um, and, you know, it was a tough, it was 2012. It's kind of like a tough job market, probably like recovering from that great recession. And, you know, I had, student loans, I had bills, I had to pay. Mm-hmm. So I was like, um, all the jobs that I thought I would have secured by the time I graduated, it just didn't happen. So I ended up um, applying to work for this moving company and they only had um, like a kind of summer internship available in. I mean, if you've worked at a moving company or yeah, at least this one, I don't want, I don't want to like paint all the moving companies in the world as bad companies, but I mean, this, I was working in the South Bronx and man, like, you know, I was, doing a lot of the things that I didn't go to college for, you know, sweeping up the back of the warehouse where there were like rats running over my feet. You know, I was in the mornings, I would be, I guess, turning on all the trucks, making sure that they were operating. And just like during that time, I was like, man, like, you know, for I was thinking I didn't go to school for this. Like, this is not really what I want to be doing. But then I started to really connect with a lot of the employees, man. And I think just to be able to hear their stories and like hear yeah, just to learn and know more about them, man, that was honestly like a, a a great experience for me because it gave me like a great appreciation and like it put my eyes somewhere that they wouldn't have been, you know, and to people they wouldn't have been if I wasn't in that space. So that was like, you know, they taught me a lot of things that like when it came time for me to move, I was like, oh, I know how to wrap up this box. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Just like simple stuff like that. And yeah, I mean, that was that was great. And like even what it did to me as far as like just building work ethic, you know, mm-hmm. and building character and, um, you know, just the integrity of having to be up at 6 a.m. or 5 a.m. to get to work by mm-hmm. 6 every more every day. You know, it did, it did. It was good shaping for me as far as, you know, how to handle work and to do well. So like, yeah, I mean, I, I was in a place where, you know, I had to take the lower place, but you know, one, like I said, like, you know, I was able to really learn and like meet so many new people and cool people and mm-hmm. um, just with so many interesting stories and yeah, blessed, blessed in so many different ways. And also I was blessed in a way that I was able to grow in ways that I probably wouldn't have been if I got that comfy job mm-hmm. uh, up first, you know, at first. Yeah, yeah. man, that's rough, yeah. bro. That's Dude, it when was I think rough. of job stereotypes, yeah. moving companies, man, they yeah. have them. <laughs> it, 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 it was rough. I mean, yeah, it, it, was a, it was a very tough job, mm-hmm. but it made everything else after very very much easier. That's, it's amazing how yeah. God does that, yeah. man. I, I, th- I think of my own life. I worked at a, uh, a a shop that specialized in supplements and healthy food for people. There was a dude who had he had fibromyalgia mm-hmm. and chronic fatigue, and he started like I don't know 
turned vegan or something. I don't know. He took, started taking supplements and his life got a lot better. His health improved. And so he felt he had a call from God to start this business and to help people. Sounds amazing. But he was not the greatest boss to work for. Mm. He would belittle you. He would tell you one thing and then you would do it. And then in front of everybody, he would say, that's not the way it's supposed to be done and kind of mm. down. So I remember one time, like I tried to correct him, not by intention, just because I thought I was trying to be helpful, trying to, I corrected him in front of a customer and then he got, he got really upset. And so then, uh, he started pulling up like all this tape on me and was like, Oh, look, you were checking Lakers scores at this time of day and everything, you know, pull it off. Oh, man. And humiliated me in front of the other Dang. manager. And I honestly tried to fight him. You know, I was a Christian, but I was a young Christian. I mean, man. I, yeah, bro. I was, <laughs> I was testing the spirit that day. <laughs> You know, and luckily the other manager, you know, yeah. the only non-Christian oh, in the man. room stands in between these two Christians trying to fight each other. Oh, <laughs> oh man. That's why you these podcasts. I was like, what? Yeah, and I got, oh, I got suspended man. for a week, man. Oh, I went man. home and, and, and thought about it. But I learned a lot through that, man. Just mm. a lot of little things like, you know, how to talk to people in authority. Mm, yeah. You know, how to... How to uh, accept correction and yeah. not to be defensive that there's a time and place for bringing up your grievances i could i could go on and on and on mm-hmm. but here's a situation that my flinch would be to run from this job quit this job right. but actually god was using this mm-hmm. you know to make me a better person and i think that he does that with us often when he forces us to take the low place i don't think that jesus wanted to go to the cross but that was the father's will and he was so in tune with the father's will that he willingly took that lower place Mm -hmm. so as we kind of wrap things up and as we are now in this season of lent what are some things that we can do as an individual or as an rc the rcs who are listening to this to foster humility what are some practices that we can implement in our lives to grow in humility the kind of Piggyback off what you were saying at the last part is this submitting ourselves to leadership and the authority of leadership with the mind of like understanding the way in which Christ submitted to his like his father. That was like obviously Christ is and the father is like the ultimate authority, but he calls us to do the same like in that way. And I think that's it's hard. I think for me, even like personally, that's that's been a, a struggle throughout maybe my life that I've seen God work in that and move in a lot of ways and help me grow in that. But definitely, like it it does. It shows you a, a lot. It really does. And being able to recognize, like I like I don't have all the answers. And even if the person who's above me may not have all the answers either, you know, the Lord has given them the opportunity to be in that position and to respect them and like and to love in that way. And I think that's that's huge. So that's just that's one thing for me. Yeah, yeah I would mm-hmm. say I would answer that like. So many times I think where we end up either being consumeristic or when it comes to um, humility is like just the ability to slow down, to Mm. be slow to speak, to be slow to respond in a lot of ways. And I I think just having some pause. I think, um, you know, a lot of times where we see ego raises ugly head is when we're in confrontation. So what does it look like to, you know, instead of responding back with, you know, that same negative energy mm-hmm. or respond back defensively? I'm not saying you may legitimately be right, but what good does it serve? What mm-hmm. greater purpose does it serve to yourself or that person to respond back harshly or negatively when you're confronted in that way? So having that pause, and I think Paul 
Paul Miller even talks about that in his book mm. when he talks about having arguments with his wife. It's like, we don't need to handle this right now. Mm. Like understanding, trying to understand that person's perspective and you know, listening and then also bringing it to God in prayer. You know, mm. like you don't always need to be right. You don't always need to be quick in your responses, but to take that time mm. to listen. I think in our in our social media world, it's very easy to get caught in our echo chambers and to give us that uh, or surround us with people that always make us feel right. So what does it look like, you know, to go and have that lunch or that dinner with someone else from across the whatever aisle or area of division it may be to learn to get to know them, to mm-hmm. actually understand that they're like a complex human being and also a human being that's like fully loved by God. That's good. I think of also what does it look like to take the lower place can often differ based on our context and it's it's easy for us to forget that we live in such a place of privilege when it comes to living Mm. out our faith in america Mm. but we have brothers and sisters around the world who are suffering Mm. all the time and don't experience the resources the safety and the privilege that we experience we got to be praying for them so i think a good rhythm of taking the lower place you don't have to beat up on yourself for being an American or, oh, woe is me. I'm this American Christian. Yeah, you know, no, man. But it's just with your RC members taking that time to regularly pray for your brothers and sisters who are experiencing Mm -hmm. suffering around the world. And you might say, well, I don't know what to pray for. I know some people will pray through their news feed or through news notifications. Mm -hmm. I think another thing, too, that I've been doing that's been really awesome, I actually got this idea from Marnie, Mm -hmm. Mike Goheen's wife, if you guys listen to the podcast yeah. you've heard of Mike Goheen. You probably heard of Marnie more often. To explain who Mike Goheen is, we'll have to do a whole podcast. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so you know, Marnie was talking about praying through the Psalms. And there's yeah. a lot of times mm-hmm. where you, when I'm reading through the Psalms, she's reading through the Psalms, and you come to a section where you're like, this doesn't really have anything to do with me. Enemies, you know, yeah. Yeah, like enemies. Yeah, like, you know, yeah. David's on the run, and mm-hmm. all these people yeah. trying to kill him, and God, my best friend lied on me. We used to eat together, and now they're trying <laughs> to kill me. You know, these types of things. People are like, I, I'm not going through that right now. <laughs> Skip to the next song but no you may not be going through that right now but if you stop and think your brothers and sisters may be experiencing those things somewhere Mm -hmm. around the world and you can connect that with your news notifications you start connecting the dots Mm -hmm. and praying for others as a community as an rc Mm -hmm. we're taking the lower place in prayer and that's something that's overlooked Mm -hmm. you're not going to get an attaboy for that the world is not going to give you affirmation you probably unless you're like humble bragging people in the church aren't going to come up to you Mm -hmm. and give you affirmation say hey man i heard you were praying for uh (laughs) people suffering in sudan you know that's amazing man no Mm -hmm. that's that that's not the way it works but right. those things mm-hmm. that are small, overlooked, and overseen, those are the things that God uses to break his kingdom into human history. Mm. Thank you for listening to the Redemption Tempe podcast, where we believe that all of life is all for Jesus. Our vision is to create disciples who seek reconciliation and restoration of Tempe. We are a multi-congregation church, and our service times at our Tempe location are 9 a.m., 11 a.m., and 6 p.m. To learn more about us or to get plugged into the life of the church by tapping the connect button on our app, we would love to hear any feedback or questions you have. Please send them to Tempe Podcast at RedemptionAZ.com. Thank you for listening, and we'll catch you next week. <laughs>